Well, praise the Lord. Wasn't that a great time praising and worshiping God? Jesus is our way maker, and I know He's your way maker as well. And uh, thank you to my wife for sharing a powerful passage of Scripture sitting there in the brand new dome. We can't wait for that day. That day is soon coming. Uh, I'm trusting and prophesying that it's going to be this year sometime, but what a day it'll be when we all gather together in that brand new facility. Praise the Lord. I've got a scripture to share with you today that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 9, and I want you to get your Bibles out. Again, I want to encourage you to get your notes out, to write things down. This is going to be a two-part series that I'm beginning today. And, uh, and so I want to just encourage you. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And, and we just need to keep hearing the Word, writing the Word, writing the Scriptures, rehearsing the Scriptures, and that's how faith comes. So in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, it says, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Ephia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. And there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. And from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Verse 3 says, Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you and arise, go and look for the donkeys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, once again, what a privilege it is to be able to come together, even though we are all over the place in various homes throughout the city of Durban, South Africa, and even this whole wide world, but we can come together in your name. And I declare that there is no greater name than the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And right now, I thank you that our minds are held captive by your word. I want to thank you that every high thing that would exalt itself, every vain thought, vain imagination right now, we take authority over those things right now that would distract us, that would cause us to miss what it is that you are saying to us. But right now, we welcome your word. And I thank you that your word is like a seed that will be deposited in the soil of our hearts, and that out of our hearts, out of that soil, out of the sowing of that seed, I thank you for mighty harvests. Lord, I give you praise today because only your word can do it, that you sent your word and you healed. And so even as the word comes, there's healing taking place. Even as the word comes, there's deliverance taking place. Even as the word comes into various homes and families and into businesses, that there is a God-given strategy that comes. God, even as your word comes today, that it wipes away every form of confusion in the mighty name of Jesus. Even as your word comes, God, it drives out every counterfeit word, everything that would be contrary to your plans, your purposes, your vision, what you have for your people. 
your word comes like a mighty hammer, and it breaks every rock in pieces today. Everything that would stand as a hindrance, as an obstacle, God, in our path to achieving your plans and your purposes, thank you that your word has the power to deliver, to restore, to do whatever is necessary in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. If you believe that, you better say amen right there in your homes. Amen. So I want to share with you today, my title is Lost Property. Lost Property. All right? Not just talking about, you know, homes and, uh, and pieces of land, but I'm talking about everything that pertains to you. Everything that God desires for you to have. Amen. As I was just thinking about this uh, sermon series, uh, I want you to understand that we're in a season where the devil is actually running roughshod over people's lives. Uh, and in this moment right now all over the world, there are lots and lots of people that are actually unaware of the devil's plans and schemes. But I want to tell you that we as the people of God, we're not aware. Instead, we are very much aware. You are very much aware. We are very much aware as a church of his tactics and his devices. I like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.11. He said, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Passion Bible says, so that we would not be exploited by the adversary, Satan, for we know his clever schemes. So that tells us that through ignorance, the enemy is busy exploiting people. And when he exploits people, he hurts people. He abuses people. And we know that the devil is cunning, he's sly, and he's crafty, but we know his modus operandi, and it's always been to steal, kill, and destroy. That's John 10, 10, to steal, kill, and destroy. I like what Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and 8. Listen to what he says. Be sober. Come on, people of God. Be sober in this day and age. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. Can I read that again? Because your adversary, the devil. The church is not your adversary. The pastor is not your adversary. Your spouse is not your adversary. The boss that you are working for is not your adversary. The government that, we, that is here in this country or in your country that you're from is not your adversary. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, yeah, who is it? The devil. What does he do? Walks about like, not is a roaring lion, but he's like a roaring lion, and what is his job? Seeking whom he may devour. And then he says, verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith. The New Living Translation says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand for him against him and be strong in your faith. The Message Bible says, keep a cool head. I like that. Is your head cool today? Come on, every shop that you go into or every place that you go into, they put that thermometer reading because they want to find out how cool you actually are. If you're too hot, uh, they won't allow you in because that means you're burning with a fever. But here he says, keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce. 
and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. And would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Verse 9 says, keep your guard up. Come on, I don't know who I'm speaking to today. I know that we've been through four months or five months, or I don't know, it feels like 1,500 months actually. It feels like 2,000 years we've had lockdown. But no matter how long it is, keep your guard up. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, one thing is for sure as we look at these scriptures, and as we have a sense of what is happening in this world, we are not afraid. You are not afraid. I want you to lift up your hands there in your home together with your family and say, I am not afraid. Come on, say that one more time. I am not afraid. Why? Because the Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But why also am I not afraid? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ defeated the devil. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you that in times of trouble, in times of crises, like we're finding ourselves in, in times of emergencies, family, hear me today, it's easy to lose our way. It's easy to lose our way. Pressure is mounting up, and everything around us, we look everywhere, everything is beginning to unravel. And everywhere you look, it's as if people are losing their minds. They're losing their joy. They're losing their patience, their purpose. Some are even losing families. Some are losing marriages. Some are losing uh, businesses. And if we're not careful, some will even lose their very hearts and soul. Now, I want you to know that through this pandemic that's worldwide, it's a worldwide thing, there's a great sense of loss. A lot of people feeling a lot of loss. It's almost like they're losing their grip or their hold, and it's like things are starting to slip through their fingers. But I want to ask you, in moments like this, in this great sense of loss, my question to you is, what are you going to do? And secondly, where do you go in moments of loss like this? I'm speaking about lost property and because of the fact that the sense of loss, the sense of loss, losing something or losing someone can be a horrible experience. That sense of loss sometimes completely overwhelms you. With that sense of loss, sometimes it comes, there's a paralyzing and a crippling that comes upon you. There's multiplied fear and dread that rises on the inside of you. Let alone to talk about our stress levels that are rising. And people that are experiencing a sense of loss can feel desperate. They can sometimes feel helpless. Sometimes they feel overlooked like, God, where are you in this time? They can sometimes even feel confused. And in a sense of loss, sometimes people get to do some crazy things. I was just talking to somebody today, and, and they were telling me about how just last week, because of this COVID, this pa pandemic, and what's happening in the economy and the finances and the businesses, that it just got too much. And this person climbed up to a top a block of flats and jumped off and committed suicide not too far from where I am. But thank God for Jesus today who is in the middle of this darkness and chaos, and he comes to find and restore people who are experiencing a lostness. 
This is what Jesus said in Luke 19 and, and 10. He said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Family, I'm here to tell you today, man, that Jesus desires to intervene in the lost areas of your life. Whatever those lost areas are, Jesus wants to intervene. He wants to recapture those lost areas. He wants to recapture those lost properties of your life. Whatever it may be, those lost areas, those lost properties belong to you. And Jesus' mission in coming to earth was to take back what the enemy has stolen from you, to restore it and refill back to your life that which was lost. But I'm here today coming into your homes, and I want to ask you something. What is it exactly that you have lost? I don't know what it might be, but whatever it is, I want to tell you, it belongs to you. And I also want to say that too much blood was shed on Calvary for you to simply let it pass you by. There was too much blood shed for that marriage. You can't lose that marriage, that business that you started. Too much blood was shed on the cross of Calvary for you to let that business go in Jesus' name. I want to look at the word lost, and I want to tell you what it means, just in, you know, looking up the definition. The word lost means that you're unable to find your way. It means you're no longer in possession or care or control of something. To be lost means that it's beyond your reach. And if you are lost, it also means that you're bewildered, disorientated. The thing that is lost also means it's no longer in use. Something is missing. Something has been stolen. When you look at the biblical concept of lost, this is what it means. When you bring the Bible in the context of the Bible, the word lost means to destroy. The word lost means to ruin. It means to cause destruction. The word lost biblically means to fail to obtain. In the Bible, it means to lose everything one possesses and to be led astray. And maybe it's been the loss of several things. I don't know. Maybe during this time, there's been a loss of direction. Maybe there's been a loss of time. Listen, time is valuable. Maybe there's been a loss of significance in your life. I don't know. A loss of hope a loss of opportunities, a loss of dreams. I don't know what it is. But here in 1 Samuel chapter 9, some donkeys be belonging to Kish, who was Saul's father, had gone missing and were lost. And these donkeys belonged to Kish, and now they were lost property. And let's look at verse 1 of 1 Samuel 9, because I think there's quite a bit in here. And it begins to talk about a man that was of the tribe of Benjamin. Mentions the man's name was Kish. And then the Bible is quite clear in going back five generations, each time mentioning who the father of each generation was. And as I began to ponder on the Scripture, I began to see that there are several things I believe that the Lord wants to show us today. Number one, I believe that it shows us how much God is interested in us humans. Maybe you're feeling like you've been shunted and left on the side, and nobody cares about you, and nobody wants to pray with you, and nobody's interested in you. 
But I'm here to tell you that when everybody else has failed you, God will never fail you because He's interested in us as humans. I've often asked myself the question, God, why would you be so interested in us when we are just mere mortals? We are like a speck of sand. And you are this phenomenal God, omnipotent, all-knowing, everywhere, all at the same time. You see, when you read verse 1 of 1 Samuel 9, you begin to understand that there's nothing meaningless in Scripture. And God, in this one verse, has gone to great lengths to mention five generations. And I think it's because His love for us is so great and so unfathomable. Number two, as you look at verse 1, I think that it shows you how much more connected we really are than we think we are. As you look at these five generations, and you begin to see that actually we are products of cultures and values that were instilled in us by previous generations. And every generation, every generation Every generation has the power to either bless or curse the next generation. I want you to hear me this morning. Hallelujah. I want you to hear me today. Number three, when you look at verse one, I think it says also that it shows us as a reminder that every decision we make in this generation has a spiritual impact, not just for you and where you're at, but for the ones coming after you. And so I want to encourage you. I exhort you. If I can use Bible language, I want to say I beseech you, family. Be careful of what decisions you make in this generation. Come on. Come on. If it's a godly decision, it'll have a positive and a biblical effect upon the next. But if it's not a godly decision that you make, you will reap its effects and you will live a sorrowful life. And my, my prayer is that there'll be nobody that will live a sorrowful life. You don't need to. Why? Because if you're making the right decision, you're going to reap the right rewards for us. Number four, also, when you look at verse one, it shows you how God wants to be a part of every individual, every marriage, every family, and every generation. I believe as you read verse 1 that you see God's desire, the very heart of God, and His desire to leave His imprint on every generation. That's the reason why He mentions that in verse 1. And I think that God is using this text to highlight the fact that He is, and you've heard me say it, He's a God of families. That's why I call you family. God is a God of families. Hallelujah. And in this verse, we see that God has a purpose and a destiny for every family, and that every family finds its place and fulfillment in the greatest of all families, which is the family of God. Can you say praise the Lord? So right here we see in verse 1 that, the, that uh, God goes back into five generations. And I did a bit of a study and I looked at who all these men were, all the fathers, and, and there's a biblical meaning behind it. And, and it, it goes five generations and then tells us that actually these are all of the tribe of Benjamin. They were Benjamites. And if you remember who Benjamin was, remember Jacob had 12 sons. And in Genesis 49, Jacob is about to die, and he gathers his 12 sons together so that he could bless them. And 
Benjamin was the youngest son who receives the last blessing from his father. He was the last one to get a blessing. And here in Genesis 49, 27, I want to read what Jacob prays over Benjamin. Genesis 49, 27, he says, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, and in the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. Now, Benjamin, if you know your history and you know your Bible, it kind of like the Benjamites had like a warlike nature. And this small tribe, it was the smallest of, the all, of all the tribes, were very warlike in nature. But here we see that, that this blessing that comes upon Benjamin and the Benjamites was actually a threefold blessing. He said, listen, you're going to be just like a wolf. You're going to be ravenous like a, like a wolf. And you're going to operate in the morning, and you're going to operate in the evening. And in the morning, this is what you're going to do. You are going to devour and then at night, you are going to divide the spoil. And then in the morning, you are going to devour the prey. And at night, you are going to divide the spoil. And I don't know, as I read that passage of Scripture, in line with 1 Samuel 9, I feel like a prophetic declaration coming over every family. That is to say that we do warfare every morning and we go after our prey, the devil, every morning. And through the blood of Jesus and through the weapons that we have, the name of Christ, the Bible, the Holy Ghost, praise and worship, whatever our weapons are, we shall devour and overcome. And then what do we do at night? At night, we will enjoy the blessings, the many benefits of what we did through the day. We, we divide the spoil. We count the blessings. We count the benefits. We look at the rewards. Why? Because of what Jesus did for us upon the cross. Hallelujah. Come on, family. Hallelujah. Remember, the devil is a defeated foe, and we just simply have to enforce that every day. It's interesting that when you look at the Benjamites, which was the smallest of all tribes, there's four great people that come out of the Benjamites. The first was Ehud, who was a great warrior and actually delivered Israel from the Moabites. And then not only that, but we have Saul, who's the son of Kish. He becomes the first king of Israel. Not only that, but do you know that Mordecai and Esther came originally from the tribe of Benjamin, even though they found themselves in the land of Persia because, of course, they'd been taken captive by the Babylonians. But Mordecai and Esther come from this very tribe, the smallest of the tribes, and God used them to stop the annihilation of the Jewish people. Not only that, but can I tell you who else came from the tribe of Benjamin was the apostle Paul, who was formerly called Saul. Now, I want to tell you that when God looks at man, he doesn't see them on the outside. God looks on the heart. And God saw a warrior inside of Benjamin, while others saw him outwardly as the youngest son and the tribe as the smallest tribe. But God saw more than a man, a man who could devour and divide. Hallelujah. And when you look at the two souls coming from the tribe of Benjamin, it's quite interesting because you see the first Saul who becomes the first king, he's a type of the first Adam. 
And we know the first Adam sinned and messed up. And we know that King Saul became the first king of Israel. But you know what? He messed up and he was a man in the flesh. He was carnal. But then we see the second Saul or the last Saul who is a type of the last Adam, and the last Adam is Jesus Christ who came and undid and rectified and restored what had been lost and stolen as a result of Adam in the Garden of Eden. Come on. Here's what, I, what I'm trying to tell you. If Kish could have a, a genealogy going back five generations. Saul was the sixth one. But if Kish could have a genealogy that spoke of power and wealth and influence and blessing and on and on and on, how much more you and I have a genealogy because we are in the New Testament. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you in this day and age. Saul had been dispatched by his father to go and look for the lost donkeys. What is it that you have lost today? What has slipped through your fingers? Come on. Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it boldness? Is it confidence? Maybe it's the ability to produce and to get that work to flow. Maybe it's the ability to cause finances to flow in your life. Maybe it's the ability to be fruitful that you have lost. Maybe it's the ability to, to, to dream and to think creatively. What is it that you have lost? Because whatever it is, I'm here to tell you that God wants to bring it back. God is a restorer. Kish was a very wealthy father, a very wealthy man, a person who carried a lot of influence and significance in this area. And he lost two seemingly, insign seemingly insignificant animals, which were donkeys. And Saul is on this task of looking for these donkeys. But God had something much more in store for Saul. Family, I want, to, I want to tell you today as I come to a close, and I'm going to continue with this next week of exactly what Saul did and how he got back those donkeys and exactly how that God, what, what the enemy meant for harm, God used it to unlock and bring about God's purpose and God's destiny for Saul. And if he can do it for Saul, he can do it for you. But I'm here to tell you that God never purposed for us to be in loss. Can I say that one more time? God never purposed for you and I to be in loss. Part of the work of the cross was to restore what Adam had lost in the garden. That's the reason why the cross is a big plus sign. It's a big cross. It's a plus sign. It's not a negative sign. And negative means that you're taking out. A plus sign means that God is putting back. Hallelujah. So if you've lost joy, God wants to put joy back in your life. If you have lost peace today, God wants to put peace back in your life. Because the cross is a big plus. It's an adding to. It's a restoring to. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Praise God. And God is a restorer and wants to put back in your life what the enemy has taken from you. Praise God. Hallelujah. I feel that strongly in my heart today. Come on. 
There is lost property, lost things, lost ideas, lost dreams, lost opportunities in this chaos that's happening right now. You might be at a great loss right now, but here's the thing. You can always come back to God, hallelujah, and you can start afresh with Him. Because ultimately, he knows everything. He's omniscient. He is all-knowing. And right where you are today, I don't know, maybe you need to identify. I'd like you to maybe begin to do an inventory of what is it that you have lost. Because whatever it is, God wants to put it back into your life and to bless you and to restore you today in Jesus' name. I'm going to continue next week and give you some practical things on exactly what Saul did and how that he went out a man and came back a king. Hallelujah. He went out a man and came back a king. And he went after an animal which is a donkey. And do you know that one of the things that donkeys were used for back in Bible days Besides carrying a lot of heavy stuff, and they were beasts of burden, but they were also beasts that were used to plow the fields. And when you plow a field, you're preparing the soil. And you're preparing the soil for what? You're preparing the soil to put a seed in that soil. And if you put a seed in that soil, what can you expect? A harvest. A harvest. And so Saul had a heart for the harvest. And because he had a heart for the harvest, God unleashed his purpose and his destiny for Saul. And I want to tell you, when you have a heart for the harvest and you have a heart for souls, winning the lost at any cost, let me tell you, God will go to all ends, will go to great lengths to ensuring to ensuring that not only what was lost will be restored, but also unlocking God's very purpose and destiny for your life. Praise the Lord. Right where you are, I want to pray for you today. And maybe there's a sense of loss. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's desperation. I pray that you're not like that person that is looking for a building to jump. But let me tell you, suicide is a very real thing. The pressure, the pressure of what is happening worldwide. The enemy is using that to spin chaos and disorder and bring about a sense of loss. But I'm here to tell you, we're not going to lose. We're on, the winning, we're on the winning team. We're on the winning side. Come on. The cross is not a minus. It's a plus. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Come on. The fact that he defeated death, hell, and the grave means that we're standing on victorious ground. So... It's time for that lost property to come back in Jesus' name. That lost business to come back in Jesus' name. Come on. Those lost connections to come back in Jesus' name. The, the lost favor to come back, not as it was last time, but I prophesy to you that it'll be a hundredfold greater. A sevenfold return has to be brought back to you. Whatever the enemy stole has to be restored sevenfold. Are you ready for that sevenfold restoration? Are you ready for that sevenfold return, family? Come on, we heard some of the testimonies that even during a time like this, people are being offered two, three jobs at the same time. Promotions, double paychecks. Hallelujah. 
Oh, is it because I'm not educated enough? No, it's because God is busy work. God doesn't work on this country's agenda or this world's agenda. His economy is higher. Hallelujah. It's higher than the federal bank. It's higher than, you know, all this conspiracy theories and who's doing what and China's doing this. Come on, God is bigger than that. He sits and laughs at all of these man-made schemes and agenda. And let me tell you, in this chaos, in this darkness, when everybody is groping in blindness, as it were, and people are lost, God is not lost. God has not lost His way. Can I say that again? God has not lost His way. Some of you, I'm feeling you need to revive the word that came to you when you started that business. Yeah, you forgot about that word that was given 10 years ago. It's time to get that word out and revive it and get it alive in your spirit because your business is founded on the word that came. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never, ever pass away. Some of you, it's time to get the word of opinions and he says, and she says, and all of that rubbish, get it out of your heart and start getting the Word swirling in and through your heart. Start speaking that Word. Come on, there's some of you that need to own up and take responsibility. Stop blaming others for your problem. As long as you're blaming others for your problem, you're just digging your grave deeper and deeper and deeper, and you're shutting God out from your life. There are areas that God wants to deal with you and because you're blaming everybody, you're blaming your dog, you're blaming the next door neighbor, you're blaming the government. Oh, come on. You're, I mean, there's books on who you can blame, right? And volume one and volume two and volume three. Actually, can I be honest with you? And I, want, I don't want to be unkind, but I think you start, need to start blaming yourself. Ultimately, it's you that God wants to deal with. It's you. You see, when you're made whole on the inside of you, it doesn't matter what happens there. You might lose a business, but let me tell you, because you're a whole on the inside, two more better businesses will come your way. A friend might up and leave you and your closest ally stab you in the back, but you know what? Because you're a whole on the inside and you're connected to God, God will bring three other better people, four other, five other better contacts that will help you get further in God and higher in the plans and purposes of God. If people don't sharpen you in God, don't hang around them. Don't hang around them. I'm not trying to say that you have to be unkind or anything like that, but you have to be careful as to who you're hanging around with. And I just felt in my heart that some of you need to start rem rem reminding yourself about the Word that you got because you started that business based on the Word. Based on the Word. So, Father, I bring every person to you right now where there's been a sense of loss. God, I don't know what it is, and I have no idea what some people are going through. I have no idea of the pain, the frustration, the, the fear the panic. I have no idea this morning, but I know that you do. And I know that you have them in the palm of your hand, and I know that you love them. And I know that your word says, God, you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And we're holding on to you, and we're holding on to your word in this season, in this time. We are not ignorant of the devil's plans. We're very much aware 
And like the tribe of Benjamin, we might be the smallest and the most insignificant, and nobody even looked at us and, and thought, can there anything good come out of that tribe? Can there anything good come out of that house? Yes, lots of good can come because of Jesus. And I want to thank you that you put a warlike spirit upon us and upon this house, that like the Benjamites, the tribe of Benjamin, we know how to devour we know how to stay alert. We know how to be sober. We know how to pray in the Spirit. We know how to be vigilant. We know how to take inventory and stock of our goods so that there is no lost property in Jesus' name. We know how to keep ourselves cool-headed, God, but to stay grounded in the Word, active in our faith, engaged in our faith, Pressing into the things of God, relying in and on the, the anointing of God. That we know as the tribe of Benjamin, it's not by our power, nor by our might, nor by the level of education we have, but by the Spirit of God. And right now in your homes, I just sense the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You see, the problem with Saul and why he failed as king, you read there in those first three verses of one Samuel 9, he was the most handsome of all of Israel. And the Bible says he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. In the natural, he had so much to offer. And you know what? Sometimes we think it's all about us, how good we are, how strong we are, how clever we are, how educated we are, how connected we are. And all of that's great. But let me tell you, when it comes to the crunch, that's not going to help you. To get to your next level in God, that's not going to help you. To get your breakthrough, that's not going to help you. To get the strategy that you need in this time of darkness, it's not going to help you, friend. It's not going to help you. The Benjamites were a people that relied on God. They knew how to devour. They knew how to do warfare. But they also knew how to divide the spoils. They knew how to be grateful they knew how to, how to offer up thanks and praise. Come on. It's time to reclaim our lost property. Claim our lost children, our lost anointings, our lost ministries. There are some pastors that are watching here today. I'm talking to you. You know that God called you. You know that God called you. So what are you doing sitting down? What are you doing sitting there having given up? You've quit. You've given up. It's not time to give up. I don't care what you've been through. I sympathize with you, but it's not time to give up. I'm talking to you today to gird yourselves up. Come on, shake that spirit of passivity and feeling sorry for yourself. I'm not going to feel sorry for you. I'm saying that in all kindness, but I want to encourage you today, whoever you are, whoever you are, Lord, I want to thank you for an anointing that's going to cause us to recover. This is the year of recovery. This is the year of resilience. We are a resilient people that we will pursue. We know how to devour. We know how to stand firm. We know how to do warfare. We know how to sing the high praises of God. We know how to work our faith. But it's also going to be an opportunity for us to walk into our blessings, to enjoy our blessings. God, we give you permission to be used as trophies, 
as evidence of your greatness, that you can use us to demonstrate your power, your might in the city of Durban, in South Africa, in this whole wide world, in Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Well, family, I know that our time is up, and next week I'm going to finish this series on lost property, and we're going to look at some practical things that Saul did. I know it will bless you, but before I go right now, I know there are, there are those of you, for whatever reason, your life is not right with God, and today, today, not tomorrow, not next week, I don't know if I'll get to next week, I hope I do, I hope I get to Christmas time, nobody has a guarantee that they'll be around. But right now, in this very moment, this is just between you and the Lord. You say, Pastor John, my life's not right. I'm away from God. Then today, my friend, I want you to put right with God. Would you do that? Come on. I know that you're bold enough. I know that you have the courage. Come on. I want you to put right with God. God's reaching out to you. He's not, you know, shunning you. God's not in like some quarantined area where you cannot approach Him. He's right there approaching you. And He comes to you right in the middle of what you're facing. He comes to you as you are. And He receives you as you are. He takes you as you are. How great is that? How, how good of God is that? And so in that place that you're finding yourself, I don't know. You've lost a lot of things, but here's the thing. You have lost your love for God. You've lost your relationship with God. Would you come back today? Those of you that are watching, I want you to pray this prayer. Right where you are, say after me, Heavenly Father, I come today in Jesus' name. Just as I am in all of my faults, all of my weaknesses, with all of my loss, all of my sin, I come in Jesus' name, and I ask you for forgiveness. Right now, I repent, Lord. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. And right now, today, I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all my sins. And I'll never be the same. Jesus, thank you for never giving up on me. And today I declare that my life will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, family. If you prayed that prayer, why don't you just in the comments, just let us know. Give us a thumbs up and say, prayed the prayer. Prayed the prayer. Then we know we can stand in agreement with you. And that's just, you know, our way of joining our faith together with your faith. I've really enjoyed this time coming into your homes. Thank you once again for making time, allowing us to come through these various social platforms, whether it's Facebook or YouTube. If you're on YouTube, please would you um, subscribe. Please would you give us a thumbs up. Thank you for all the hearts that we see flowing. Uh, that makes our hearts warm makes us know that you are enjoying what we're doing, reaching out to you. But from me and all of us here at the Durban Christian Center, we love you. Don't forget there is the children's program coming up. But until next time, God bless you. Bye-bye.